Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. In this episode, I'm going to talk about high schools in the United States of America. <sighs> high school. It can be the best of time for some and the worst of times for others. Boring classes, football games, cheerleaders, sex, drug, fights, and confusion. Now, when I was preparing this episode, I did my best to make sure the content was thorough, but not too long. All right. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about the history of American high schools, how the high schools work, and what a typical day is like for the students. So we're going to start with the history of these high schools in the United States. Now, this might be the least interesting part to you, but I did my best to only include information that was truly important. Now, the history I'm about to share with you will give you context and help you understand why American high schools are the way they are today. Now, I could talk for hours just about this subject, the history of high schools in the USA. There's so much to cover. I mean, it would take three or four or five episodes because there's so many things we could talk about. But I'm just going to give you a brief overview from the time of the first high school up until now and what it's like today. All right. So let's get started. So the first public high school in the United States was Boston Latin School, founded in Boston, Massachusetts in 1635. Now, back then, the schools prepared the boys for either law or the church, and the length of the school day depended on the season of the year. It wasn't the same all year. Now, in 1642, seven years later, the Massachusetts Bay Colony was able to pass a law to require parents to make sure that their children were able to read, which required some type of elementary education. Now, in 1647, five years later, Massachusetts passed another law that required communities to establish some type of public schooling system. Elementary schools were formed in every town or every small city with more than 50 families or more. And every town with at least 100 families would have to provide a Latin grammar school. 
Now, over a century later, in 1779, Thomas Jefferson proposed the opening of new secondary schools to provide segregated secondary schools with different tracks. In other words, there would be two study programs, one for the working class and one for the higher, more educated class. Public education was to be regulated by individual states, and that's the reason schools do things differently in each of the 50 states today. Everyone kind of has their own laws and regulations and procedures, and that has been the case for hundreds of years, literally. All right. Now, the Pennsylvania State Constitution, which was written in 1790, called for free public education, but only for poor children assuming that the rich would pay for their own children's education. In 1805, New York Public School Society was formed by the wealthy to provide education to the poor. These schools were run on a Lancasterian system. Don't worry too much about what that means or where it comes from. Just understand the schools operated on what we called a Lancasterian system in which one master taught hundreds of students in a single room. The masters would give rote lessons to the older students who would then pass it down to the younger students in the class. And just in case you're wondering what a rote lesson is, the word rote, R-O-T-E, not W-R-O-T-E, like the past tense of write, R-O-T-E, rote, just means a memorizing process using routine or repetition, often without full attention or comprehension. So just memorizing information, okay? Now, at this point, society was moving from an agrarian model, like working on farms and agriculture and things on small plots, to an industrial model where workers were needed to be literate and numerate. So Lancastrian schools emphasized discipline and obedience, qualities that factory owners needed in their workers. Now, this is the reason that kids are required to sit in rows in school and raise their hands and ask permission before they can speak or use the bathroom. And it's the reason they have to memorize a bunch of information and pass a test that doesn't really measure their intelligence or natural ability at all. Now, the sole purpose of high school since the 1800s has been to prepare young adults to work in factories, not to be educated members of society. So just in case you've ever been wondering, you know, because I definitely wondered this when I was in high school, like, why do we have to do this shit? It's so meaningless. It's so pointless. And in my opinion, and according to the way I understand history, it's because since the 1800s, the education system and the purpose of that system really hasn't changed, even though society has evolved and changed a whole lot since the 1800s. Shit, it's changed a whole lot since 1990, right? But for whatever reason, the system hasn't changed in the way it tries to prepare kids for life after school. But that's a whole another subject. I'm just trying to give you a bit of history here. All right, so let's get back to the episode. Now, in 1817, there was a Boston town meeting which petitioned for the establishment of a system of free public primary schools. The main support came from local merchants, businessmen, and wealthier artisans, while many you know, working class people opposed a free public school system because they knew they would be paying for it through income taxation. Okay. In other words, they'd have to pay the taxes to pay for this free public school. Okay. Now, in spite of this, Boston Latin School became public in 1820. This was the first public high school in the United States. And seven years later, a state law in Massachusetts made all grades of public school open to all students free of charge. Nobody had to pay anything. 
However, in the slave-owning states in the South, things were different. Even after public schools were being opened up to all ages in Massachusetts in the 1830s, it was illegal for southern states to teach black children how to read. High schools were out of the question. In other words, there was under no circumstance could a black child go to high school in 1830. They weren't even allowed to learn how to read at the time. Now, after many years of advocacy, in 1957, the federal court ordered the integration of Little Rock, Arkansas public schools. Just in case you don't know, Arkansas is in the south of the United States. Now, the government or excuse me, the governor actually had to send in troops to physically prevent nine black students from enrolling at Central High School which was what we called an all-white school at the time. So just in case what I just read to you didn't really make so much sense, I'm going to try to say it in a, more, in a more simple way. Basically, while things were opening up to all students of all ages in the North in Massachusetts, at the same time in the 1830s in the South, things were very different. Black children still didn't have the same rights or opportunities as the white kids. They weren't even allowed to learn how to read at the time. So under no circumstances would they ever even dream of going to high school. And in 1957, 1957, which was really, I mean, it was not a long time, like 60 years ago, more or less. It was at that point that the federal government basically ordered Southern states to let black kids enter their school. And even still, there were government officials and other people trying to physically keep black kids from entering the all-white schools at the time. You know, this was in 1957, bro. My, you know, my parents, for like 1957, 64 years ago, right? My mom is 60 years old. My dad is 58 years old. Like, it's so curious to think that was less than 70 years ago. Less than 70 years ago, it was illegal for black kids to go to school and be educated. Less than 70 years ago, bro. That, I don't know. I don't know. 70 years is a long time. But in comparison to the length of the time that this country has existed, that's a very short amount of time when you stop and think about it, you know? But anyway, that is history for a completely different lesson, a completely different episode, which I'm sure at some point... We will talk about. Now, if you'd like to read more in detail about the history of the United States education system, you can visit lifeinenglish.net forward slash EP102 and check out the links in the bonus materials for this episode. All right. But now that we've gotten the history portion out of the way, let's talk about stuff that you're probably curious about today. For example, how does high school actually work in the United States? Now, the first thing you need to understand is that every school district has its own way of doing things. And just in case you don't know what a school district is, um, how can I explain this? Each state has various cities, right? Now, each, well, let me say it this way. Each state has various counties, which is basically a group of cities. That's the simplest way I can explain it. So you have a county which has maybe three or four, sometimes five or six cities inside that county. And each county has a school system. So let's say like where I went to school is called Clayton County. Inside Clayton County was various cities like Jonesboro, Morrow, uh, Lovejoy. These are all names of cities inside Clayton County. And all those cities inside that county operated inside of the same 
school system, Clayton County School District. So anybody inside that county, all schools operated under one system. They had one hierarchy and they had their own rules and regulations, which were different from the county next to us. Okay, like Fulton County or Butts County or Rockdale County or something like that. Hopefully that makes sense. So a high school in Atlanta, Georgia might do things differently than a high school in Los Angeles, California. So I'm just going to tell you how a typical high school day or let me say it this way. I'm going to tell you how a typical high school works in the United States. A few things might be different, you know, depending on the school, but most high schools work more or less the same way. All right. Hopefully after that long explanation, we're on the same page now. Hopefully that made sense. So getting into how high school actually works. Typically, students typically students typically start high school at the age of 14 and they pass through um, four years of school. So they typically start at 14 and they finish at 18. Sometimes they start at 15, finish at 19. It just depends. Right now, the first year of high school is what we call ninth grade and a kid in ninth grade is referred to as a freshman. Now, the second year of high school is what we call 10th grade and a kid in 10th grade is referred to as a sophomore. The third year of high school is 11th grade and a kid in 11th grade is referred to as a junior. Now, finally, the last year, the fourth year of high school is what we call 12th grade. And a person in 12th grade is referred to as a senior. Okay, so let me just say that again. Ninth grade, freshman. If you are in ninth grade, you are a freshman. Tenth grade, you are a sophomore. Eleventh grade, you are a junior. In twelfth grade, you are a senior. First to the fourth year. All right? So, if I'm talking about my time in high school, I could say I'm a junior in high school or when I was a junior. If somebody's talking to you about high school and they say, oh, my senior year was amazing. They mean my last year of high school, fourth year, 12th grade. Oh man, I remember when I was a freshman, I didn't know anything. Freshman, first year. Okay. And it's really the same for college when you stop and think about it, because your typical bachelor's degree is four years. So it's the same concept, first, second, third, fourth year, freshman, uh, sophomore, junior, senior. So we use those terms in the same way for the same reasons in high school and in college. All right. Now that you have a basic idea of how high school works, what is a typical day like in high school? Well, the American school year is about nine months long. It typically starts in August or September, and it typically ends in May or June. Now, the school year is broken into two periods, which we call semesters. So the first semester typically starts in August or September and ends in December. And the second semester starts in January or February, most of the time January, and it ends in May or June. Now let's talk about the daily schedule. At my, I <laughs> can't fucking talk today, man. What the fuck is going on? The daily schedule at most high schools, <laughs> at most high schools, students arrive in the morning between 7 a.m., and 9 a.m. And they leave school between 2 p.m. and 4 p.m., depending on the school. Now, when I was in school, our first class started at 8 in the morning, and we ended school at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. All right, so we're in school basically seven hours. Now, as far as the class schedule, some schools will have eight different classes every single day, and each class will be about 45 minutes. This is considered traditional scheduling. All right, now, other schools 
will have four different classes every day, and each class will be about 90 minutes long. This was referred to as block scheduling. Now, my first school used, not my first school, my high school used what we call the block schedule. So on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we have four particular classes like math, science, history, and literature. Then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we would have four different classes like physical education or workshop or typing or home economics or something like that. And we would basically have those eight classes all year. However, that was eight years ago. My mom currently works at a high school and she told me that her school district has adopted a new class schedule. So instead of having eight different classes each semester, the students only have four classes. So they don't alternate between classes during the week like we did when I was in school. Now the kids attend the same four classes every day for the entire semester and they will take four different classes the following semester. This is actually better for everyone because a student doesn't have to be in the same class for nine months straight. He or she will be finished with that class in four months. You know what I mean? And then they can move on to the next subject. It's also difficult to focus on eight different classes during a semester, especially when you don't go to the same class every single day, right? It's like unreasonable to expect a kid to remember all that information. Hopefully what I'm saying makes sense and hopefully you can understand the difference between what it was like when I went to high school and what it's like now, at least where my mom works. All right. So we talked about, you know, the yearly schedule, the class schedule. Now let's talk about lunch. All right. Now I know that some countries around the world don't give their kids lunch at school, but it's totally normal and necessary in the U.S. Like there's no way a kid could be in school for seven hours without eating lunch. Right. Now, lunchtime in high school is typically 25 to 30 very short minutes. If a student's family doesn't make a lot of money, the student typically won't have to pay for the lunch. Now, if a student's family does make a lot of money, then the student is expected to pay for the lunch. Now, if I remember correctly, when I was in high school, lunch was typically like between two and five dollars. I don't remember the exact price. For some reason, I remember like three dollars more or less, but I know it was no more than five. It almost certainly wasn't less than two. So just so you have an idea, more or less, what the lunch costed at that time. Now, you might be wondering what American school lunches are actually like. What do they taste like? What type of food do you guys eat? And everyone has their own opinions on this, so I'm just going to describe the lunch to you. You you can, you know, draw your own conclusions. I'm just going to give you my opinion. The lunch at my school was very similar to the lunch you can expect to receive in jail. Now, I know that probably sounds bad, but basically what I'm saying is the food wasn't absolutely terrible. I mean, it was food. So, you know, you have to be grateful for that. It was it was food and it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't good. It wasn't good. You know, my school was actually known for having a few cockroaches in the cafeteria or like in the kitchens where uh, the lunch was cooked from time to time. So I rarely ate the lunch that was cooked at the school. I mean, like, it was really rare. Really, really rare. Now, the school offered, like, pre-made lunches as well that weren't cooked in the kitchen, like a packaged PB&J sandwich, which is peanut butter and jelly sandwich with a bag of chips, and then you get, like, a carton of milk or a bottle of water and something like that. I would eat that most times, or I just wouldn't eat lunch 
Or, you know, when I got my car, finally, I could leave campus and go buy lunch. But I also didn't do that very often because obviously fast food is expensive. So that was basically it for me. You know, now some high schools, like I just said, let kids leave campus during lunch, although most don't just because of the liability issue. Like, you know, if a kid's supposed to be in high school, that's where their parents left them in the morning. And then the school lets them leave campus and they get in a car accident or they never come back. They get kidnapped. Something crazy happens like that. I would imagine in most cases the school is responsible in that situation so they can be held liable in a legal situation. Like the parent can say, you were supposed to be watching my kid. I left him here with you and you let them go some other place and they got, you know, hurt or they went missing or whatever it is. So. I'm suing you. Basically, that's what I'm trying to say. But it just depends on the district. All right. Now, extracurricular activities, just in case you don't know what that means. This is things like sports, music, um, the chess club, cheerleading. All of these are extracurricular activities. And all these activities have their practice almost immediately after school ends. Okay, so if you play high, if you play high school, if you play basketball, In high school, you'll almost certainly practice basketball right after school ends at three o'clock in the afternoon. Now, as for the sports teams, in order to play for the team, you have to try out, which is basically auditioning for the team. You basically have to show the coach that you're good enough to play for the team. Now, if the coach likes your skills, then you'll be able to play for the team. You'll be accepted as part of the team and you will get a chance to play in the actual games. Now, most high schools, if not all of them, have a football team, a basketball team, and a baseball team. A lot of them also have soccer teams and track and field teams. However, it just depends on the district and sometimes maybe even the school. Now, all the high schools in a particular district compete with each other, um, basically to see who's the best, you know, just like any other sports competition. Now, the winners of the district competition will also have a chance to compete with um, other high schools from the state. And whoever wins the state competition can compete with people in the region. Whoever wins the regional competition will have a chance to compete with other teams from across the country. Um, As far as I understand it and as far as I remember, that's basically how the athletic competitions work in this country, at least on the high school level. Now, you might have seen a lot of movies and TV series about American high schools and seen the girls and actually sometimes guys who we refer to as cheerleaders. Now, you might be asking yourself, what exactly do these girls do? Like, what is their purpose? Why do you guys have cheerleaders at all the games? And the answer, in my opinion, is that their purpose is to motivate the players to play better and to get the crowd excited and animated during the game. At least... In theory, that's their purpose, right? Now, in reality, nobody really cares about or pays attention to the cheerleaders at a football game or a basketball game, in my opinion. Naturally, people will pay attention to and look at the girls if they're really pretty, for example. But as far as the actual cheerleading, the chants and the dances and things that they do, nobody really cares. So, you know, naturally, you might be asking yourself, why do you guys have cheerleaders? Why are they important? I kind of have the same question, you know what I'm saying, because we we don't we don't care. Now, I don't know about the history, where they come from or why we started this tradition of having cheerleaders and stuff like that. I didn't do that research, but we have them and not only in high school, but also in college and at professional um, 
sports competitions. You know what I mean? They have cheerleaders. So you can actually be a cheerleader in high school, then in college, and then like work as a cheerleader for a professional sports team if you really wanted to, you know? And it's funny because I never really thought about how strange it is to have cheerleaders at a game until someone from another country like asked me about it. They were like, why do you guys have cheerleaders? You know, are they really like what we see in the movies and stuff like that? And I was like, yeah, it's pretty fucking weird, right, to have cheerleaders at a game. If anything, it's a distraction because you go to the game to watch the game. Then you got cheerleaders making noise and screaming and dancing and shit like that. And it's like, can you shut up, please? I'm trying to watch the game, you know? Interestingly, though, cheerleaders even have their own competitions and cheerleading squads from different regions of the country that will compete to see who has the best dance routines and energy and enthusiasm and stuff like that. And some girls will even go on, like I said before, to become cheerleaders of professional sports teams and make it a career, you know? So there you go. But anyway, back to high school. Now let's talk about mascots and school spirit. Now, you might also notice that basically every high school in America has its own particular colors and its own particular mascot, which is typically an animal most of the time. Now, my high school, for example, uh, had a cardinal as its mascot. And just in case you don't know, a cardinal is a bird. And our high school colors were red and black. So we were the Jonesboro High School Cardinals. Now, my mother's high school has a panther as its mascot, and the colors are blue and black. So they are the Lovejoy High School Panthers. And this goes on and on, like the Santiago High School Sharks or the Mount Zion something or whatever. Every school typically has its name, its mascot, and its school colors. Now, as far as school spirit, which is basically at the level of enthusiasm that kids have for going to and representing their particular school, you know... It really, I think it depends on obviously the individual, but also just the school and what their traditions are. Like when it's football season or basketball season, we typically tend to have school spirit at the games because, you know, you go to this school, you know, everybody at the school, you probably have friends on the basketball team and you're supporting them. So just like if you support Manchester United, for example, and we're playing against Chelsea or Manchester City. There's a level of tribalism there, and naturally we support our team and we say, yeah, fuck the other team, yada, yada. But outside of like sports competitions and stuff like that, I don't think there's much school spirit. Pretty much all of us hated being in school. I shouldn't say all of us, right? I know I did. I fucking hated high school. But anyway, let's move on. We're not going to talk about that. Now, more things about how high school actually works. Uh, One thing I wanted to talk to you about was credits. You might be asking yourself, what are credits? Maybe you've never heard of them before, so I'm going to explain it really quickly now. American high schools use what we call a credit-based system in order for students to graduate. This is the system that they use. So for each class that you successfully pass or complete, you earn a particular number of credits, and each student needs 30 credits to graduate from high school. I could go into much more detail about how the system actually works, but to be honest, it's pretty boring. And it's really information that I don't think you will ever need. I don't think it will ever be useful to you in any way. However, if you would like to read more about how the credit system works, along with what we call Carnegie units, you can go to lifeinenglish.net forward slash EP102. Check out those links and uh, the bonus materials for this episode. So we talked about credits. Now, what about grades? This is actually much more... I wouldn't say important, but much more familiar to all of us, I think. 
So, from what I understand, the grading system can also vary depending on the school district. However, in my experience, most schools will use what we call the criterion referenced grading system, which is basically just a fixed scale or a fixed way to measure a student's performance. Now, don't worry too much about that term, you know, because I was born here and I heard it for the first time when I was doing research for this episode. So you will never really need to know the criterion referenced grading system. But now you know what it is. All right. Anyway, in the U.S., you can receive five different letter grades. A, B, C, D, and F. Why we don't have an E, I don't know. Now, an A is the best grade you can receive, while an F is the worst. Now, we also have numbers that correspond with these letters. So these numbers go from 0 to 100, and they represent percentages, okay? So 0% to 59% is an F. 60% to 69% is a D. 70% to 79% is a C. 80% to 89% is a B. And 90% to 100% is an A, okay? So you will hear both constantly in the American education system, whether it's high school or university. If somebody says, I got a B um, on my test, actually, let me not get ahead of myself because I know this sounds a little confusing. So let me give you an example before I tell you what I was about to say. So let's imagine that you take an exam that has 10 questions. Out of the 10 questions on the exam, you answer seven of those questions correctly. So seven out of 10 is 70%, right? So that means you got a C on your exam. If you had only answered five questions correctly, that would be a score of 50%, which means you would have received an F, all right? So just understand that we use these numbers and these letters interchangeably. You will hear them at a high school and also at university throughout the entire American education system in any case where kids are receiving grades, okay? So if somebody says, I got a B on my test, that means they got somewhere between 80 and 89%. We don't know unless they tell us. If somebody says, I got a a 56 on my test, we know they got an F. They failed, okay? Hopefully that makes sense. So after grades, what you need to know about is something that we call GPA. And this acronym stands for Grade Point average okay so for each course the students assignment scores or grades across the term are averaged according to the weights established by the teacher now maybe that doesn't make sense but it will in just a second okay so at the end of the semester all of the students scores from exams and homework assignments and things like that are averaged okay so the average score of all the students scores from the homework and exams becomes his or her grade at the end of the semester Okay, so you get a grade for each assignment and each test. And at the end of the semester, you get a grade for that entire semester, basically saying over these last, what, four and a half months or something like that, this is the grade or the evaluation that I give for this student's performance. Okay, now, once you have the final grades from all your classes for the semester, you receive what we call a report card which is basically just a list of all your grades from all your classes for that semester. So in math, you got a B. In science, you got an A. In literature, you got a D. In history, you got a C, okay? All all of that will be listed on what we call the report card, which is just a report of your performance for that semester. Now, for each grade, you receive a certain amount of points, 
Okay, these points, along with the credits you earned for the semester, are all used to calculate what we call the grade point average. Now, I know that might sound overly complicated, and to be honest, it really is. But I'm going to play a quick video of someone explaining the system better than I ever could. All right. Now, the video is only a minute long, so I'm going to play it now. And again, he's going to explain what the grade point average is, how we actually calculate that grade point average, and what it means. So I'm going to play it right now. Again, it's only a minute long, so let's check it out now. So how do you go about calculating your GPA in college? So let's say if you got a B in chemistry, let's say a D in physics, a C in your chemistry lab, and let's say you got an A in calc and an A in gym, or let's say a, a PE class. What is your GPA for this semester? Well, the first thing you need to determine is the credit hours for each course. So let's say that the chemistry course is a three credit course. And let's say physics is the same. Let's say the lab is a one credit course. And let's say calculus is a four credit course. And for PE, we're going to say it's a two credit course. Now, the next thing you need to determine is the point system for each letter grade. In most schools, an A is worth four points, a B is worth three points, a C is worth two points, and a D is worth one point. F is not worth anything. Now the next thing that you need to do is calculate the quality points. In order to do this, multiply the credit hours by the points for each letter grade. So three times three is nine. Now for the next row, we're going to multiply the three credit hours for the physics course times the points that we receive based on the letter grade. So three times one is three. And then repeat the process. One times two is two. Four times four is 16. Two times four is eight. Now, the next thing we have to do is calculate the total number of credit hours and the total quality points. So let's add up these numbers. 3 plus 3 is 6, plus 1 is 7, plus 4 is 11, plus 2 is 13. So we're taking a total of 13 credit hours in this particular semester. Next, sum up these values. Find the total quality points score, or whatever you want to call it. 9 plus 3 is 12, 12 plus 2 is 14, 14 plus 16 is 30, and then plus 8, that's 38. Now the GPA is basically going to be the quality points, or the total quality points, which is 38, divided by the total number of credit hours, which is 13. So 38 divided by 13 is 2.923. So that will be your GPA for this particular semester. Um, if you're taking these courses and if you received these grades. That's how you can calculate it. Now let's see if you understand how to do it. So I'm going to change up everything, like the grades and the credit hours, and I want you to calculate the new GPA to make sure that you understand the process of how to do it. So let's say that the chemistry course is worth four hours, or four credit hours. Physics, we're going to say, is the same. We're going to say the lab is one hour, and we're going to say that calculus will be a three-credit course, and PE 
will be, let's say, a three credit course as well. Now, let's say this particular student got an A in chemistry, a B in physics, an A in lab, let's say a B in calculus, and an A in PE. So what is the GPA for this particular student? Feel free to pause the video and uh, try this example if you want to. So first, we need to determine the points for each letter grade. An A is worth four points, and a B is worth three points. Now, let's multiply the credit hours by the points. So four times four is 16, and then we have four times three, which is 12. Next is one times four, so that's gonna be four, and then three times three is nine, and finally we have three times four, which is 12. Now, let's calculate the total number of credit hours. So four plus four is eight, plus one that's nine, plus three is 12, plus three is 15. Now let's calculate the total quality points. So 16 plus 12, plus four, plus nine, plus 12. I got 53 points. So the GPA is going to be 53 divided by 15. And so the GPA is 3.53, or 3.53 repeating. So do you think this answer makes sense? Now, if a person receives straight A's, the GPA should be 4. If a person receives straight B's, the GPA should be 3. And as we could see, this particular student received a mixture of A's and B's. So we expect that their GPA should be between 3 and 4 which we do see that. All right, so hopefully GPA or grade point average in the grading system and all that is much more clear to you now. Um, and if it's not, you can always do your own research or shoot, leave a comment below if you're watching on YouTube or something. Ask me any questions that you have or shoot me a message on Instagram. is probably the best place to send me a direct message. And um, I'll try to clear up anything that's still not clear to you. All right, so we talked about GPA. Now let's talk about graduation graduating from high school. Graduation is actually a pretty straightforward ceremony. Most people are super excited because high school is finally over. You know, many kids already know where they're going to go to college, which I know is strange for some of you, but you know, it's totally normal for us. Not everyone knows, but a lot of kids, even before they go to high school, already have an idea of what college they want to go to. It's a totally normal thing here. Now, although that is the case for many, others have absolutely no plan of going to college and they have no idea what they're going to do after high school. It just depends on the kid. And I think that's the same for kids around the world, right? I remember walking across the stage to receive my diploma, you know, after four years of high school, finally time to graduate. And all I could think about was like, damn, I cannot wait to get out of here, bro. <laughs> like I hated high school. I hated school to be honest. First grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, 12th grade, college i hated all that shit it fucking sucked man i don't hate education i love learning and stuff like that but just like the american school system and the things that we have to learn in school in my opinion were so useless they were so useless bro like 
anybody, maybe you're in high school listening or watching to this, most likely not. Most people that listen to this are at least 18. So you probably graduated high school. Like I'm asking you, how much stuff from high school, how many things that you learned in high school are you actually using on a daily basis in life today? Especially if you've already graduated university or you're older than 22 or 23 years old, how much stuff that you learned in high school are you using on a daily basis? You know what I'm saying? Like you can't tell me 13 years of schooling was necessary. You can't tell me that, bro. Like you use basic math, not even algebra, just basic like eighth grade level math, like 14, 15 year old level math, basic reading and writing skills. You know what I'm saying? And that's it. Maybe some science here or there around the house. And that's it. So I fucking hated high school. So when it was time for me to graduate, I was like, yo, I cannot wait to get out of this motherfucker, man. But then on my mind was like, shit, now I got to go to college and do this <laughs> for four more years. You know what I'm saying? Um, but anyway, anyway, let's get back on track, shall we? I just wanted to talk real quick about the appearance of my high school because this also might be very shocking to people from around the world. You know, I don't know what high schools are like in other countries. I've actually never seen a high school from another country, so I don't really know. I'm going to show you and talk about the appearance, the infrastructure and things like that of high schools here in the United States because it can be very impressive. Even as an American from this country, when I stop and think about some of the high schools in this country, it is truly remarkable and you'll see what I mean in just a second now my school personally my high school had about 1,200 students 1,200 students and I don't know if that sounds like a lot to you but to me it's actually a little on the small side in terms of the number of students like my mother's high school for example has 2,000 kids and I remember when I lived in Southern California the high school in my neighborhood had 4,000 kids 4,000 students at a high school, bro. That is insane to me. Like, when I was a kid, I didn't really think too much of it. But as an adult, it's like 4,000 kids at one high school. That That's crazy to me. Like, the campus, I'm gonna I'm probably going to put it on the screen now if you're watching this on YouTube. The campus, I'm showing you the high school in my neighborhood when I was in Southern California. It looks like a university. It looks like a university, man. Which brings me to the facilities, you know, like my school, for example, was pretty old at the time, like it wasn't in bad condition or anything like we had everything we needed, but you would be amazed at the condition of some of the high schools in this country. We have schools that literally look like university or even professional athlete level facilities, you know what I'm saying? It's remarkable, like the football and soccer fields with artificial turf. Just in case you don't know, turf is another word for grass. So these these stadiums have artificial grass, you know, like Olympic level swimming pools, baseball fields, multiple buildings for study, a math building over here, the literature building over there, the science building over there. It is amazing, man. I don't, like I don't know. Again, I don't know what high schools are like in other countries. Maybe that's totally normal to you. But when I think about it, that's insane for a high school, a public high school. You know what I'm saying? On the other hand, you know, in contrast, we do have schools that are in terrible condition. 
right? Like no air conditioning, no sports facilities, nothing like that. So as I've said a few times already, it really just depends on the school district and the amount of money they get from the state to invest in education. And not only that, but also how much, not how much, but how that money gets managed by the school district. You know what I'm saying? So it's not just how much money the state will give to a particular district and say, here, spend this on education, your facilities, et cetera, but also how really the politicians, you can call them school administrators and things like that, really how the, the district politicians decide to spend all that money. Does that sound familiar to you? Anyway, um, next I want to talk about just memorable experiences, my personal experience in high school and uh, what it was like for me. Because I moved from California to Georgia right before I had started high school, which really sucked, bro. Because, like, my best years, I think, in terms of, like, friends and where I was living and stuff, I would say, well, one of the two. There was two eras that I remember. Because if you know me or my story, you know I moved around a lot. I've lived in a bunch of different cities. So that seventh to eighth grade era was like one of the best, like my friends, where we lived and everything. We were all excited to go to high school together, start this new chapter in our life. And my dad came home one day and he said, we're moving to Georgia. And I was just like devastated, bro. I was devastated. I think I cried. I'm pretty sure I cried about it because like I said, I mean, we're about to start high school. We're about to be the big boys and stuff like that, like my best friends. And um, I had to leave. So we moved to Georgia right before high school started. And uh, one thing, it's kind of random, but one thing I remember about that time was that uh, this was 2009 that we moved to Georgia. And at the time in California, there was this really popular dance that we called jerking. You're a jerk. I know. 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 You're a jerk. There was like a particular type of music that we danced to, a particular type of clothing that we wore, like these bright colors and skinny jeans. Like looking back on it, it was pretty ridiculous, you know what I'm saying? But when you're a kid, you follow these these crazy trends that you would never follow as an adult and you look back on it and it's like, what the fuck was I thinking, you know? But, you know, it's all a part of high school. And getting back to the jerking thing, like, like I said, we had a particular music, particular style of uh, dance and clothing and everybody, you know, had like their own little dance crews and stuff like that. And we would make dancing videos and post them online to show everybody that like we could dance better than other people. I really wish I had a video to show you of us doing the dance and stuff like that, but they all got lost on an old computer years ago, and I'm pretty sure I deleted all the videos from YouTube. And if I didn't, I can't find the channel. So unfortunately, I can't show you. But anyway, I would say that my high school was pretty typical. You know, Um, there were a bunch of little cliques. And just in case you don't know what cliques are, it's like little little friend groups, basically a bunch of little separate friend groups, like the popular kids, the nerds, the athletes, the drug dealers, um, etc. You know, and we definitely had our fair share of nonsense and bullshit and uh most of us didn't learn a damn thing 
in those classrooms. And I've like I said, every school district is different, but I can almost guarantee you across the country, most kids aren't learning a damn thing in those classrooms. I smoked weed for the first time when I was in high school, had sex for the first time when I was in high school. I also got beat up in front of my entire class for the first time when I was in high school. That was fun. Um, and it's funny because, you know, high school, high school is a time when we're essentially children, right? We're still children, but we're trying to act like young adults and we begin to explore a lot more. Now, obviously, for some people, this starts happening before high school and for other people, it happens after high school. But I just think it's an interesting time in our lives because like we're old enough to do adult things. Right. But we're still so young and just like fumbling through life. You know what I'm saying? Like not even really aware of what's coming after high school. Even if we try to think about it, there's just, you know. How can I say this? There's nothing that can really prepare you for that, I think. Now, I don't know about you, but I just never imagined that life would be the way it is right now. You know, and to be honest, I never really even thought too much about life after high school. Like, all we know is graduate high school, find a college, study for at least four more years, find a job. Like, that's all we really know when we're in high school. That's all we're told when we're in high school. So I never really thought too much about what it would really be like after that. And I'm not sure many kids actually do. You know what I'm saying? All I know is that if I had known then what I know now, I never would have gone to college and I would have taken a lot more risks. So many more risks. So if you're listening to this and you're under the age of 24, take some fucking risks. Like, just trust me on this one. I don't know you. I don't know your life situation or what you got going on. Take risks, bro. Whatever that means to you. You got an idea, fucking run with it. You got this feeling or this dream, go for it. Now is the time. 18, 20, 21, 24, fucking go for it. Okay, I'm not trying to convince you not to go to college or do whatever you think is best or or whatever, if that's your plan. I'm just saying, if you have the idea to do something, do it now. All right, just... Trust me on this. I'm only 26. I'm not like some old man who regrets not like taking risks in life and saying, please don't make the same mistake. I'm just saying I wish somebody would have told me that at 18. I wish I would have had that understanding because I just think, you know, life would be a lot different if I had understood that at 18. That's all I'm saying. Like when you're young, you truly underestimate the value of your youth and the lack of responsibility that you have. Because, I mean, it's just. The older you get, obviously, you have less youth, obviously, but you also have more responsibilities. You know, you it comes a point when you're not a kid anymore and people are expecting you to get a job, support yourself, pay bills and things like that. Maybe you get married, maybe you have kids or whatever it is. You just have more obligations, more things holding you back or tying you down. And you don't have that when you're 18. Most of the time, most people don't or even at 21 or 24. So that is the time. To make mistakes, take risks, fuck up, learn valuable lessons that will put you in a better position to be smarter, wiser, better prepared for what is really coming next, which is nobody gives a fuck about you. You're independent and you got to take care of yourself, you know, so maybe all of that I'm saying doesn't make sense, but it makes sense in my head. And I wish somebody would have told me that it made me understand that at 17 or 18 years old. All right. But anyway. 
tell me, you, my friend, tell me a little bit about your high school experience. Leave me a comment below. Shoot me a message on social media at English with Kaizen. It's the same name basically on all social media. And let me know. What was life like for you in high school? Do you have any memorable moments, maybe some memorable teachers or experiences that you had when you were in high school? I'm really curious to know what high school is like for kids in other countries. If you're a native English speaker from the U.S. or the U.K. or no, I said that wrong. If you're from the U.S., you can also let me know what your what your school was like, what your experiences were like. I'm really, really curious to know how it differs from uh my experience anyway that's it for now man but be sure to look out for the next episode because i'm going to be talking about 10 useful phrases that you can use to boost your daily conversations and sound more natural when you're speaking in english you don't want to miss that all right this is life in english i'm tony kaizen and i'll talk to you later peace Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.